what do you expect to happen after that second song? Carrie's soothing voice on the bumper. Me to come up and just start preaching. Maybe a prayer. I imagine you didn't necessarily expect 60 seconds of silence or confusion about why the bumper wasn't playing or what was going wrong. If you've come to chapel even just a few times, you know that there's a fairly consistent order to things. You probably know what to expect. And I imagine you have all sorts of expectations in your life, too, on yourself and on others, on the future. And if you're honest, you probably have expectations for God as well. Expectations for how you want him to speak. Expectations for what you want him to do in your life. Expectations for how you want to begin to hear his voice. And my guess is some of those, if not all, of those expectations have been missed. He hasn't spoken in the way you wanted. He hasn't acted in the way you think he should. And the prayer to hear his voice just hasn't been answered. God's been silent. But I wonder if God's silence is another form of communication. A way to hear his voice. And if it is, what is God communicating through silence? What is God revealing about himself through silence? To explore these questions, let's look at the prophet Elijah together. So if you have your Bibles, you can open up to 1 Kings chapter 19. And we're going to be in verse 9. I'm going to read the first two verses for us, verses 9 and 10. There Elijah came to a cave and lodged in it. And behold, the word of the Lord came to him, and he said to him, What are you doing here, Elijah? And Elijah said, I have been very jealous for the Lord, the God of hosts. For the people of Israel have forsaken your covenant, thrown down your altars, and killed your prophets with the sword. And I, even I, only am left, and they seek my life to take it away. <coughs> Elijah, a prophet who hears and speaks God's voice to others, is staying the night in a cave. And God asks Elijah, what are you doing here? And Elijah responds, God, I long to hear your voice. I'm jealous for you. The people I lead, they're not listening. They're worshiping other gods and they're killing all my friends, all the other prophets, and I'm lonely. I'm the only one left. I need your presence, God. I need to hear your voice. Would you speak? And what's important to know is that before all this, Elijah had some intense time of ministry, and people were seeking to kill him. At this time in Israel's history, they were ruled by King Ahab and his wife Jezebel. And most of the prophets of Yahweh had been killed and now there were many prophets of Baal, of other gods. 
And Elijah had recently defeated the prophets of Baal on Mount Carmel. Elijah drenched some wood and stones and a sacrificial bull with water and prayed to God to send fire from heaven. And fire fell and consumed his offering, and people were amazed by the God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob, because the prophets of Baal could not get their God to do anything. But the God of heaven and earth answered Elijah in a powerful, miraculous way. And get this, as soon as Elijah had called down fire from heaven, he then began to pray for rain to put out the fire, and it rained, and that ended a three-year drought in Israel. Again, Elijah experienced the unmistakable power, voice, and miracles of God. Yet that didn't make much of a difference. The people of Israel did not repent, and Ahab and Jezebel issued a decree to kill Elijah. And scripture tells us earlier in 1 Kings 19, then Elijah was afraid and he arose and ran for his life. But he himself went a day's journey into the wilderness and came and sat down under a broom tree. And he asked that he might die, saying, it's enough now, O Lord, take away my life. Elijah finds himself lonely, afraid, depressed and struggling with suicidal thoughts. Elijah was at the end of himself. Have you ever been at the end of yourself? You just can't take it anymore? You're sick of being afraid? Tired of feeling the way that you feel? Desperate to not be so alone? Or just long for a rest from the constant go of life? Have you been there? It's about that time in the semester where you're probably there now. And in those times when, you've exper- when you're experiencing those feelings, you may have thoughts like this. If God would just clearly show up. If God would just heal this or do that. If God would just speak so that I can hear. If God would just prove his power. Then I'd believe. I'd feel better. I wouldn't be at the end of myself and I would finally trust his voice. But Elijah called down fire from heaven, received rain that ended a three-year drought, and defeated the prophets of Baal. God spoke clearly, loudly, and miraculously, yet Elijah was still lonely, afraid, and depressed. Here's the point. Everyone gets sad, lonely, and afraid. Everyone at some point comes to the end of themselves, those who know God and those who don't. Those who've experienced God's miracles and those who haven't. Those who often hear God's voice and those who never hear God's voice. Everyone comes to a point where they're at the end of themselves. So if you think the problem with how you feel, what you are experiencing, or that you can't hear God's voice is you... I want you to hear this. I want you to know that you are not the problem. 
you are not too weak. You do not lack faith. You are not less Christian than someone else. God is not mad or disappointed in you. The problem is not you. The problem is the brokenness that all humanity experiences. Even Elijah, a prophet of God who experienced miracle after miracle and heard God speak time and time again, got to the end of himself. And when Elijah got to that point, he was jealous for God. The text tells us he desired God to speak. He wanted to experience God's presence. So verse 8 says, so, so in his loneliness, fear, and depression, Elijah arose and ate and drank and went in the strength of that food 40 days and 40 nights to Horeb, the mountain of God. And Mount Horeb is another name for Mount Sinai. And Mount Sinai is the mountain where the finger of God inscribed the tablets of stone and Moses received the Ten Commandments. It was on Mount Sinai where, God, where Moses saw God pass by. It was on Mount Sinai where God showed up with howling winds, burning trees, and boulders split from lightning. It was on this mountain where God's presence and voice had been unmistakably heard and experienced. It's the mountain of God. And Elijah climbed this mountain with great expectation. In his loneliness, fear, and depression, Elijah, right, he was at the end of himself. So he was like, I'm going to go travel 40 days and 40 nights to get to this mountain. Because he believed that he was going to hear God's voice and experience God's presence just like Moses did before. He went there expecting God to move in big, powerful ways and give him just what he expected. And we do this too. The summer between my junior and senior year at Dort, I got an opportunity to go to Israel. It was a spiritual uh, pilgrimage of sorts. And I could not wait to go to the Western Wall, what some call the Wailing Wall. And it's the, it's the wall of, of the temple that's still standing today. And common practice at this wall is to write out prayers and stick them in the cracks of the wall and begin to pray. So I wrote out my deepest longings and desires of my life that I had as a 21-year-old. And I wrote out all my deep longings for what I wanted for the future, which just kind of involved a girl. And I placed it in the wall and I began to pray. And I was ready and expectant for God to move. I mean, I was in Israel. I was at the temple. This is the place where God's presence dwelled in the Old Testament. And I'll be honest, nothing happened. I didn't feel different. And I was distracted by all the others who were loudly praying, sobbing, and looking like they were having the experience that I desperately longed for. So I left and got some falafel. It was really good falafel. And for you, maybe you've gone to a summer camp or on a retreat or a mission trip. Or maybe you come week in and week out to chapel on Wednesdays or church on Sundays. And you have this desire and expectation for God to speak and move. And he didn't. 
and he doesn't. You feel the same way you always feel. God was silent. That's the same experience Elijah had. He's ready for God to move. He's ready to hear God's voice. And listen what happens next. And he said, go out and stand on the mountain before the Lord. And behold, the Lord passed by and a great and strong wind tore the mountains and broke in pieces the rocks before the Lord. But the Lord was not in the wind. And after the wind, an earthquake. But the Lord was not in the earthquake. And after the earthquake, a fire. But the Lord was not in the fire. All of what were trademarks of God's presence were there. Wind, earthquake, fire. Everything that Moses had experienced previously was taking place. What Elijah expected to happen, happened. However, the Lord was not in the wind. And the Lord was not in the earthquake. And the Lord was not in the fire. His presence wasn't there. Elijah is not unlike you and me. He longs for God to move. He desires healing in his life. He wants God to speak to him. And it didn't happen. Where was God when Elijah needed him most? Where is God when you need him most? And after the fire, the sound of a low whisper. God was in the low whisper. Elijah hears God's still, small voice. This translation, though, does not capture the original Hebrew. A more literal translation is the sound of gentle silence. God was in the gentle silence. Now that's interesting. Because for many of us, silence is not gentle. Silence is harsh. It's the treatment given by friends or family when a mistake is made. Silence is distance. It's the lack of presence from family, friends, or others when you need them most. Silence is cold. It's the look of rejection rather than a warm embrace. And silence is frightening. It's the deafening sound when all external noise ceases, but the internal noise of fear, worry, doubt, and insecurity begin to swirl. God's silence is gentle. What does that even mean? How can silence be gentle? I mean, maybe when I'm on vacation and there's nothing to do or no obligations and I'm like looking at a sunset on the beach or a mountain landscape, maybe silence is gentle then. Or maybe in the morning if I have nothing to do or nowhere to go afterwards, sipping on my coffee, 
Okay, maybe silence is gentle. That rarely happens. And that's certainly not what was happening in Elijah's life. He was lonely with no community, afraid of his enemies, and wanted to die. He was at the end of himself, and God showed up in a gentle silence. What does that mean? Let me try to explain. Let's say at the end of this semester, you return home over Christmas break. You're exhausted from all the work. Lonely with no sense, real sense of community and wrestling with your major or future. And, and you're just simply sad and overwhelmed by it all. You've been busy for four months and now it all comes crashing down when you finally stop. There's a silence of sorts. And you decide to tell your parents or close friends or maybe they notice that something's just kind of off with you. Can you picture that moment? What do you need in that moment? When you finally expressed all these deep feelings and worries and fears and insecurities, what do you need in that moment? Do you need your parents to jump on the scene with a loud pep talk saying, come on, snap out of it? Or come and hand you an exact plan of what to do on how to not make this happen again next semester? Or do you need a voice that's, oh, it's not that bad. Could have it worse. It's Christmas. You should be happy. Or do you need someone's quiet presence in your pain? A listening ear to how you're feeling and what you're experiencing. Or someone who will gently walk with you at the pace you need to go to be ready for the upcoming semester. It's the second. Often a loud, intense voice can be jarring, intimidating, or alienating, making you believe that what you're experiencing isn't okay, that something is wrong with you, or that the pressure is on you to feel better. However, a gentle voice a steady presence, a listening ear welcomes you in your worst, waits with you as you feel, and walks with you in your pain. It's a voice that meets you where you are rather than forces you to a place you should be. It's a voice that meets you where you are rather than forces you to a place you aren't. That's God's gentle silence. It's how God met Elijah who was lonely, scared, and depressed. And God didn't shame Elijah for feeling that way. God didn't pressure Elijah to pretend to be something he wasn't. God didn't push Elijah further than he could go. God didn't show up in a loud, miraculous power that Elijah expected. He showed up in the gentle silence that Elijah needed. And if you read the rest of 1 Kings 19, God provides the break, rest, and way out that Elijah longed for. 
And it wasn't in the way Elijah expected or maybe in the timing that he hoped for. But it was what he needed. And Dort, God doesn't shame, pressure, or push you either when you are at the end of yourself. God meets you where you're at in his gentle silence. And hear this, in God's silence in your life is less a way he speaks and more a revelation of his gentle heart and loving presence towards you. God's silence in your life is less a way he speaks and more a revelation of his gentle heart and his loving presence towards his kids, towards you. And Jesus exemplifies this in the Gospels. Jesus says, for I am gentle and lowly in heart, and you will find rest for your souls. And if you could go back with me a few weeks to Luke 24, you remember the two disciples on the road to Emmaus, and they were kept from recognizing Jesus? Because Jesus has died. The person they thought the Messiah uh, was is gone They witnessed a bloody crucifixion. They heard the screams of the dying. They were confused, hopeless, shocked, and traumatized. And how did Jesus show up? He didn't show up loudly, boldly, or clearly. He slowly walked with them. He took them on a gentle journey of Bible study, friendship, and food. And then their eyes were opened. Because shock And awe are not what people at the end of themselves need. A gentle presence is. Jesus in the Gospels meets people where they're at. He's born in a manger. He eats with the tax collector. He visits a woman at the well. He connects with Peter on a beach. What we see of Jesus in the Gospels is that he's meek and not pushy, humble and not presumptuous, unassuming and not intrusive. He's kind and not harsh, patient and not agitated. And that's God's gentle silence towards you. A gentle silence that meets you where you are. A gentle silence that invites you to lean in. A gentle silence full of compassion and care, presence and protection, and grace and generosity. A gentle silence that will walk with you toward hope, healing, and freedom at the pace that you need to go. Here's the issue, though. You and I, we often avoid silence. We refuse to enter it. We're scared of it. We're afraid of what thoughts might come, what pain might bubble up, or what sin might be revealed. We're afraid that silence in our life might mean God's displeased with us. We're we're afraid that God's silence in our lives means he's just not there. Or maybe you actually long to enter the silence, but you don't because you're afraid when you do, all the other stuff you got going on in your life and world that has to get done won't get done. 
And so we avoid it. We stay busy and we pray from a distance, hoping God will answer loudly, miraculously, and powerfully. And listen, and I want you to hear this. He can do that. And he does do that. There is no doubt. But more than God wants to heal you from a distance, he wants to meet you up close. He wants to pull you in. And he wants to walk with you. He wants you to experience his gentle presence, his deep love and unending grace. And listen, I know there, there's questions. How do I enter silence? What is God doing in silence? How do I respond to silence? And I know there are frustrations. Because there's people in this room who've experienced deep hurt and deep pain and deep trauma, either in your present or your past, and you're just not buying what I'm saying. I, I don't want to pretend to have an answer for you. But I do know God's heart for you. And I don't know what your story is. And I don't know if somewhere along the way you made a decision to close God out because it's just too painful. It's just too silent. It's just too much. And that makes sense. I get it. I do the same thing. But I wonder if you might risk opening yourself back up to God. Because maybe, just maybe, that silence, the feeling of forsakenness, of loneliness, of betrayal, of whatever it is, maybe God is just waiting for you to open up your heart one more time and he wants to meet you in it. I know it's risky. I just want you to know God sees you. He wants to meet you where you're at. And would you consider opening yourself up to God again? Would you consider to enter that silence? And you don't have to make a decision this week, but maybe just think about it. And in preparation, we'll, we'll probably have some time next week to enter silence within chapel and to respond to God's silence. But here's my hope for this week. I hope that silence is reframed for you. That silence is not a lack of God's presence, but that silence is full of God's presence. His gentle, healing, restoring presence. And it may not be what you want. And it may not happen in the timing that you desire. But it will be what you need. God will meet you in that place. And just like Elijah, God will meet you there. So don't run from it. Don't avoid it. Enter it. Lean into God's gentle silence. Lean into his presence because it's the place he meets you. It's the place where he gently begins to walk with you. And it's the place where he leads you to new, abundant, and full life.